Can two divorced men share an apartment without driving each other crazy? Welcome to 1049 Park Avenue, an odd couple podcast. Ted Linhart and Garrett Ice are with you to talk about today, season two, episode 21, A Night to Dismember, which is available on CBS All Access. Garrett, you want to give us a little overview of the writers? Yeah. The writer, um, I can't remember. Yes. It, in this case, it is uh, our second encounter with Mr. Rick Middleman, and Ted, uh, I'm going to spring something on you, so I don't blame you for not guessing, but he wrote one other episode from season two that we've covered. I can't, I remember the name, but I'm not going to come up. I'll give you a clue. It has something very in common with today's episode. Uh, Blanche was in it. So other episode with Blanche. He wrote the other Blanche episode, the divorce is never having to say i'm sorry i do what is it and um so it's just really tempting to think they bring in rick middleman to write the blanche episodes maybe he's a friend of the klugmans um but he did a lot more than that and on odd couple he ended up uh he went on to write throughout uh, another five episodes throughout the remaining seasons uh, but he's the guy you may recall I've talked about. I was just fascinated by his very long and ver- and varied uh, career, starting with the Red Skelton show in the early 60s through the Flintstones, Dick Van Dyke, um, Gomer Pyle. He's like, on every, this is just the shows he has more than one credit. He has one, a lot of one-offs, but it's like every major show, Bewitched, That Girl, Into the 70s, uh, Odd Couple. Uh, then What's Happening? Welcome back, Cotter, Sanford and Son. And then he starts doing, in the 80s, he starts doing action shows like Chips and Remington Steel and Simon and Simon and MacGyver. Uh, so it's just a, a really interesting career. And there's no bio, bio for him on IMDb. So very curious to learn more about him. Uh, now the title of today's episode, A Night to Dismember, I'm pretty sure is a play on words referring to the 1958 film, A Night to Remember. Which is and actually guess what that was about. Yes, yeah, so actually, I owned a first edition of the book by Walter Lord, which right. is, the movie is based on. It's about the Titanic. So, <laughs> indicating that Oscar and Blanche's yeah. marriage was a disaster of epic proportions. Yes. yes. Yeah. So, it's all very clever. Oh, and I, the, the air date is. February 18, 1972. So we open on a shot of Nino's Neapolitan Italian restaurant. So I spent two hours trying to hunt down where this restaurant might actually be in New York or was in New York. Um, um, my wife, who's very good at looking at pictures of New York and, and placing them, thinks it, it could be in the theater district on the west side of Manhattan. And as I look at it, it could be 8th Avenue. There is an Italian restaurant in New York called Nino's that still exists that's 40 years old. And when I looked at mm. pictures of it, I thought maybe that's it. But 40 years, 40 years old would actually be too new of a restaurant to count because that would be 1980. And this has to be at least nine, no later than 72, probably earlier than that. And then I started to like 
look down, for, look, hunt down guidebooks of New York restaurants in the 60s. Ultimately, I could not find it. If someone listening knows where this was or what it was, it would be fascinating to know now that I've put so much time trying to figure out. Uh, and why they chose it. Was it stock footage? Was it somebody's favorite restaurant? Was it really a big restaurant in New York in the 70s, which I don't think it was. Otherwise, I think I would have encountered it. But, you know, um, I guess there's something of because it's so generic looking and Nina's would be such a generic Italian restaurant name that it makes it hard to... The Nino's part made it very difficult. That was the biggest right. drawback. Um, now, isn't it... Po it's possible they could have put up like a like they do with the... No, photography studio. I do not sign. think so. I don't. Okay. I I thought about that. That restaurant awning seems too authentic. The one of the worst things that TV does, especially in the seventies and eighties, was putting up signs for businesses because they always look like they're freshly made, mm. and they always look like they're made in a prop shop. And those are terrible. And I, that's the easiest thing to detect in a TV show is a fake sign versus a real sign. I do not believe that. I believe that is a real restaurant in New York. It was right. at one point. Well, we I give them point, points on authenticity. Yes. It went, the only thing is that maybe it was in New York. Maybe they took stock footage of it from some other city. Because it, 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 it could be, it looks like it's, hmm. like there's parts of the surroundings, if you study it, that make you wonder if it is the city. Or it could be Brooklyn, I also thought, or Queens. Like, I'm not sure it's been I don't know if they would try that hard, but. They could have found footage, is my point. That was just, they found. Oh, I see. That's yeah. true. Yeah, they have a lot of footage, yeah. So, oh, inside the restaurant now, we see an old school looking Italian restaurant set and a waitress who, by the way, is in like three minutes of the scene and never says a word <laughs> and is in a uniform, escorts Felix and Oscar to a table. Garrett, did you notice who there is sitting at the table next to them? My namesake. It is. Eddie Garrett is, makes yet another appearance on the show as the white-haired gentleman sitting to the right of field, looking at them sitting to the right. One would almost think that Eddie Garrett is playing some kind of private eye or FBI surveillance, kind of tailing Felix and Oscar throughout the season. If you're a paranoid person, yes. <laughs> He's sure following them everywhere. So Oscar says, I told you I already had lunch at the office. Felix says, what, Fig Newtons and cream soda? Hell's Angels eat better than you, and neater too. It won't hurt you to eat some decent food for a change. Oscar says, pizza always gives me heartburn. Now, what is that statement? Don't we see Oscar eating pizza all the time on this show? Well, now that you mention it, I'm not sure the last time I saw him eat pizza, but he, we do know he likes to mix Chinese and Italian. No, there are episodes later in the season where he's yeah. eating. There's a whole episode where, where he's sitting in his room and Myrna brings him the pizza with all this like oh, weird stuff right. on it. So right. this is a, a Rick Middleman fallacy of Oscar's <laughs> uh, stomach. And uh, Felix says nothing gives you heartburn. Felix asks Oscar if he's comfortable. Oscar says yes. Felix says good, I'm leaving. Oscar says, we just got here. Felix says, just wait. Somebody will come and sit with you. Felix says, somebody. Oscar says, who? Felix says, a lady somebody. Oscar gets very happy when he hears this. Oscar says, you fixed me up with a lady somebody. Who, who, who? Crazy Rhoda Zimmerman with the overbite? Which is like the third time we've heard her name. <laughs> the third time we've heard, or fourth time we've heard an overbite reference. Right, and now they're just being lazy and conflating them together. Yeah, I know. It's it's the. I mean, I'm sure I, I didn't get this annoyed 
in the last 30 years of what 40 years of watching the show but now watching it the way we're watching it hearing the rotazimum reference with the overbite yeah. feels like you know a, yeah a but this is the same season i mean it's just within weeks of each other yes. so one thinks if you're in the, if you're watching at home and you think that's a funny joke the first time you're gonna keep remembering it uh felix says what for lunch don't be silly which implies that she's not suitable for lunch. Like, I'm not sure what that says about Rhoda Zimmerman. Well, remember, crazy Rhoda Zimmerman is uh, kind Easy. of a cheap date. Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, in walks Blanche, and Felix rushes over to her. Felix escorts her to the table, and Oscar says, Blanche, what are you doing here? Blanche says, Oscar, what are you doing here? Oscar looks at Felix and says, you fix me up with my ex-wife? Felix says, yes, and Oscar says, now I got heartburn. And then we go to opening credits. Uh, so after the credits, we have this clip of uh, Felix explaining what is going on here. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you too. Lance, what are you doing in New York? Starting your own alimony collection agency? No, I came east for my Uncle Dave's wedding. Old Uncle Dave? The guy's got to be over 90. Yeah. So, Blanche is in New York. Today is the anniversary of your divorce. So? I thought it would be fun if you celebrated it together. Fun? Aren't you the guy that got the survivors of the Hindenburg together? Thought it would be fun. It was my idea. Just call me an incurable romantic. I'd love to call you. Just call him incurable, sweetheart. I'm on my way. I'm going. Good. Goodbye, Felix. You're gauche, but good, dear. Oh, you too. <laughs> it's a great idea. You'll see. <laughs> huh? Gee, it's great to hear about Uncle Dave. I didn't know he got married. Neither did he. <laughs> kind of weird, isn't it? Two of us sitting here. Celebrating our divorce? Weird, but I'm in California. I celebrate it every day. Hey, oh, would you like linguine? They make a grade here. You remembered. Remembered what? I hate linguine. Uh-huh, but I remember. Make one linguine red clam sauce and one pizza with everything on it and wine in one of those things that looks like a basket. When did you master Italian, darling? Oh, come on, will you cut out the zingers? It's a truce, remember? We're on neutral right, ground. Right, sorry, sorry, it's a truce. Listen, we had a lot of good things going for us. Oh, well, we had a lot of laughs. As Grover Cleveland said, some people get along all the time, some people never get along, and we never got along all the time. <laughs> Grover Cleveland said that? Listen, he was no Abe Lincoln. Because we had some great fights. But the best one was the one that broke us up. Mm. New Year's, New Year's Eve. Eve. yeah. That was a beauty. Mm-hmm. Oh, you really blew it that night. <laughs> I blew it. I Blanche, I started a lot of fights, but at that New Year's party, you were the bad guy. Me? Yeah. I was there. I happened to have thrown that party, remember? Where was I, playing drums with Guy Lombardo? I was there, too. I saw what happened. Okay. Tell me what you saw. No, 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 no. I want you to tell me your version, because I need to laugh. 
It would be my pleasure. It is burned into my memory. I remember how I worked and I slaved on that party to make it perfect for you. And there you were in your usual grumpy mood, sitting around telling dirty jokes and hanging around with your buddies. So a couple things about that scene. Are we supposed to believe Felix really got together survivors of the Hindenburg? <laughs> um, no, I did not take that literally. Uh, thought that was kind of a metaphorical comparison he was making. Uh, I like when Brent Blanche says about mastering Italian. I didn't remember that line, <laughs> but I saw it again. Yeah. Did you notice the odd way that Jack Klugman says the word zingers? He goes zingers. Did you notice that? I don't know. Maybe he's, I don't think Jack Klugman's from Long Island. I don't think so. I, I found it. I didn't get, I didn't notice that until I watched it. Uh, so from here, we cut to the first three Rashomon-type scenes about New Year's Eve. And uh, Garrett, I hear you want to, I hear. You told me before the show started, you want to give a little overview of uh, what Rashomon is. Okay. So, well, first, let's get the obvious. This is a flash, yet another flashback episode, which is why we're, we start in the Italian restaurant, right? Right. It's, again, uh, like that's the last time we were in the kitchen because they need to, to redesign re the apartment. they didn't. They didn't, I mean, they put up a few, but they didn't really redesign the apartment. That no, way. it doesn't look like Oscar's bachelor's pad. That's true. No. Yeah. But anyway, but I, every time there's a flashback episode, they yes. have to. I still think there's a reason for it. Yeah. There's a frame, they frame yeah. it in another location. Yeah. Um, so yes, this is a great, a Rashomon uh, concept, which of course refers to the 1950 Akira Kurosawa Japanese film, Rashomon, depicting a murder from three different characters' points of view. And, but even for people who've never seen the original, right? This is just, this is just a Hollywood trope now, the Rashomon effect um, that uh, has been used in several movies where you see the same events played out through a different character's point of view. Uh, two, things that, uh, two, two things that Rashomon that uh, I remember very well. Um, All the Family has a great uh, Rashomon episode. Really? Yes, where... Um, <laughs> Uh, Archie's refrigerator breaks down and a refrigerator repairman comes with an African-American companion, uh, helper. Hmm. And in, 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 in Archie's version, that's a very disrespectful, very aggressive, very criminal-like um, mm -hmm. black man with a very large knife. Mm. And <laughs> in Mike's version, he is very much an Amos and Andy, very stereotypical, uh, very uh, uh, weak person who Archie yells at and that he has a little, little, little apple knife. And of course, Edith is the one who has a, the real answer, I guess. Uh, it's Ron Glass from Barney Miller playing this person. Oh. And he's, you know, obviously respectful, but you know, stands up for himself when Archie says something racist and has a medium level knife to cut an apple. Um, but it's a great episode. Also, uh, Akira Kurosawa has a famous film called High and Low, based on my favorite author, Ed McBain. Ed McBain, right. Wrote the 87th yeah. Precinct novels called King's mm -hmm. Ransom, right. uh, which I have a first edition of. And uh, I, I, I have not seen High and Low. Which High and Low is a really underappreciated or just underexposed Kurosawa film. It is really great. Yeah, I, I didn't. I, I did not read the book, but I, I was. It's really cool that he made a book based on an Ed McBain, made a movie based on an Ed McBain book. And speaking of remakes and uh, uh, reboots, uh, I want to put in a plug for a little-known American remake of Rashomon called *The Outrage*, a 1964 
film uh, that translates Rashomon to as a Western and stars, uh, you'll be interested to know, a very young William Shatner oh. in one of his first major motion picture roles. I should say that High and Low is not a Rashomon film. The connection I'm making is Kurosawa started Rashomon and he had a movie based on an Ed McBain novel. They're not Rashomon. Basically, not you, you wanted to get in something about Ed McBain. I That's right. Yes, you, under, you, you know me too well. <laughs> okay. Okay. So in the first version of New Year's Eve, which is Blanche's version, um, we see the living room is decked out for New Year's Eve. Oscar's telling a joke to two men and two women. And the punchline is, yeah, now that I got it, how do I get rid of it? And of course, they all laugh. Uh, he excuses himself in that he says he has to get another splash, which I guess is a way of saying to get another drink. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blanche says, darling, darling, is everything all right? Oscar says, it's wonderful, it's wonderful, without really much excitement. Blanche feeds him a chip with some dip on it, which she says she spent hours making. Oscar says, you deserve a medal. I'll hang an avocado around your neck. Oscar says he is busy talking. Blanche asks Oscar if her dress is all right. Is it too tacky? Which, by the way, shouldn't she have done this like before the party started? So I found that annoying that in the middle of the party, she asked him that question. Well, I guess that might be a little too late to change your dress. Oscar says this is, not a, this is a party, not a fashion show. Why don't you go blow up some balloons? Blanche wants to do that together like they used to. Oscar says, I'm talking. I'm not blowing and I'm not remembering. Remembering, referring to the fact that Blanche says, remember, we used to go blow up the balloons together. Uh, now the doorbell rings, and Oscar says Blanche should answer it. Blanche says they sh- should answer it together. Oscar says she should answer it, and it, if it's a naked midget with a banner across his chest, tell him he is early. <laughs> Blanche says, you have a good time, sweetheart. I'll answer the door. And it's Felix, who comes in in a tuxedo, which reminded me of last episode where he yes it's his classic felix blue shirt ruffled blue shirt tuxedo and blanche is excited to see him and says felix how are you and felix answers truthfully and says my sinuses are killing me but i won't ruin your party i promise one of the first of a group a a, a set of lines that he will repeat right and yes each of the versions. Yes. And he's a running gag. Another running gag is he will then honk and a drunk woman will say, is it New Year's? (laughs) Uh, Felix is here without Gloria, by the way. So we are presuming they're already divorced, but in the opening credits of the show, we're told several years earlier, Madison's wife had thrown him out requesting that he never return. See, and now I want to go back to, uh, the Felix divorce episode, the Felix divorce flashback, right? Uh, Wait, the one in the Caribbean? Where, yeah, to see how that fits into the timeline. But because, it doesn't matter because if you, Oscar is supposed to have been divorced before Felix, based on the opening credits. Right. So, well, why is Felix the, here? With, so they clearly ditched that idea, yeah. Yes, Felix is here without Gloria, and he, there's a whole thing about him dating women and the women interested. So right. he's clearly single. So they've ditched, yeah. either they, you could say ditch it, or Rick Middleman didn't know about it, didn't <laughs> care, and decided to just make that. Well, no, my point about the Caribbean episode is that that reinforces this version, that Felix and Gloria split first. Oh, I see what you're saying. That's right. Actually, you're correct about that. That's true. So they stayed consistent, as well, far as I can remember. There isn't, somewhere there's an inconsistency. The opening yeah. credits. Yes, the opening credits. Right, which is which canon. Thing? 
I would argue the opening credits <laughs> have to be canon. I could see you argue that, well, two but episodes. did you know did. that it was, um, I believe it was uh, Klugman and Randall's agent whom they had in common. Isn't that Greshler? A man named Abby Greshler. Abby Greshler, yeah. That's for Murray Greshler. For whom they took yeah, Murray's yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. That the whole opening credits narration is something that Abby Greshler you know, wrote on a napkin oh. as a way to solve the creative problem of, of setting up the concept of the show. And so while I agree that the opening credits are canon, uh, they seem not to have not <laughs> been written without knowing where the show is going. In the movie or the play, is there a timeline established for who's divorced first? Well, Oscar, yeah, in the play, it's... See, that's why they must have written it in the opening credits, because the whole point of the play is Oscar's already been divorced for a while, and it, the, the first... The opening scene of the play is the night that Gloria kicks Felix oh, out. All right, then I call... I'm, this is my point of view. I'm not saying yeah. that everyone has to agree. This is my... I believe that that's canon... And the fact that there are two episodes now, as you pointed out, at least where Felix is divorced first, is contradictory. They rewrote the history. Yes, with, with, or they ignored the history. I don't. You're <laughs> suggesting they had this, like, oh, we're gonna we have all the stuff on the whiteboard, and oh, we're gonna forget <laughs> this. Like, I don't think they actually yeah. cared. Okay. Uh, so the drunk woman um, that we that says uh, that you know says is a New Year. We'll later name that. Uh, later learn her name is Trudy Wells. She's a tennis player, but she is played by Joan Van Ark, who last week, sorry, I'm going to call you out, Garrett. Garrett, never heard of. But she became a major TV star <laughs> by appearing, she was on 327 episodes across 13 seasons of Knott's Landing as valuing. So she became this really big soap opera star, nighttime soap opera star in the 80s, uh, playing valuing. She did a fair amount of episodic TV before The Odd Couple, including Peyton Place, Mod Squad, Bonanza, Hawaii Five-0. And she continued doing episodic TV after The Odd Couple until she got the role of valuing on Dallas first uh, in season two, which is right before the Who Shot JR. So right before Dallas really became this mega show. Uh, and then luckily, I mean, it doesn't happen that much. Smots Landing spun off pretty soon after and stayed on that show for 13 years. Uh, and people, her relationships were, you know, she was a big part of that show. Uh, so Felix asks, where's Oscar? And Blanche says he's having a wonderful time with all his friends. Felix looks down on Oscar's friends because he says, I saw one today with a tattoo of a rat on his neck. Now, first of all, I don't think the people of this party or any of other Oscar's friends that we've seen, <laughs> except for his bookie, would actually have a tattoo of a rat on his neck. <laughs> And so Felix, where, yeah, wait, go ahead. Where did he see, where today did he see one of Oscar's friends since he doesn't live with Oscar? And how did he know that? How did he know this person was Oscar's friends? And where did he encounter someone he could see his neck? Um, it's so strange because he just is saying that Oscar hangs out with ruffians, but right. we really don't see that. No, much. we don't. Except for, oh, we understand the bookie element, but the yeah. people of this party look perfectly right. respectable. Blanche says, don't feel bad. There's a man over there without a bone in his nose. I don't, I don't get that. Is that a cocaine joke? What is that <laughs> I joke? would be really surprised if it were. Well, I, I just assume it's the ruffian thing again. It's like he was beat up so bad. His nose oh. was broken so many times. But we don't, again, there, that, yeah. a guy who looks like that description is not in this room that I can see. However, I'll throw this one out there, Ted. 
Remember, everything we're seeing in this scene is from Blanche's point of okay. view. It is made to look Oscar look, and as he's has Klugman plays him in this version as like a really crass, brutish guy. That his friend should look like that. Right. So they that's don't. Blanche's perception of his friends. Right. I guess so. But then the visual should match that. We're not going yeah. to recast the scene three times. I get it. Right. Felix says, poor Blanche. Blanche offers to introduce Felix to others at the party. And at this time, we cut to Oscar asking the drunk woman if she is Trudy Wells, the tennis pro. So then my question is, okay, you, he's not sure that's Trudy Wells, but then who invited her to the party? Did she come with a date? Because Oscar obviously didn't invite her, I guess. She doesn't, he doesn't know her in this version. Uh, so why is she there? But anyway, hmm. that's our... In this version, he just is meeting Trudy Wells. Well, it's also, she has to, it's exposition for the, you know, the audience, the audience needs yes. to know who she is the first time. Yeah. Trudy says yes, but she is good at other things too. Trudy has an unlit cigarette at the time. Felix offers to light it. I'm sorry, Oscar offers to light it. And he does this by putting it in his mouth along with his cigar and then lighting the cigarette, which is an odd way to light a cigarette, of course. Trudy tells Oscar that she loves his party. Oscar offers her a drink, and Trudy says she'd love one, but she is a very strict tennis coach. Oscar says, I bet he said you shouldn't wear lace panties at Forest Hills, too. Which is <laughs> That's pretty risque. Yeah. Of course, the reference to the U.S. Open uh, tennis stadium yes. in Forest Hills. Uh, by the way, I don't know if you noticed this, but that joke gets no laugh. Um, and, and, and from that point, the scene really cuts quickly. Like, like almost they wanted to cut out the fact that that joke went nowhere and they cut to the next scene. And in the next scene, Felix is trying Blanche's dip and is loving it. And he asks, what are the little black things? And Blanche looks at them and says, those are Oscar's cigar ashes. And Felix is repulsed and he just puts the chip into the dip and leaves it there. And Felix again says, poor Blanche. So now we cut to Oscar and Trudy laughing. Blanche, ridiculously, from her point of view, says, look at how cute Oscar looks when he gets around a pretty girl. I don't even believe that Blanche would say that that's what she would say in that, in that moment. Uh, we know Blanche pretty well from the show, and I think she's self-aware enough to not suggest that she would say something that's that inane. Like, everything else up to here I can kind of get, but Look at how cute Oscar looks when he gets around a pretty girl. I do not believe Blanche would tell somebody she said that, even to make her herself look good. Felix says, you mean you are not jealous? And Blanche says, of Oscar? No, why should I be? Which I guess goes in line with that, that other statement. But in that part, I believe. Felix says he's the last person in the world to pass on gossip. But that girl's got a terrible reputation. She broke up a marriage on the newlywed game. Uh, by the way, how did he know that? Is in the gossip column? Like, how, how would Felix know that at this time? time? Uh, Blanche says, if a husband and wife can't trust each other, what do they have? Felix says to this, you're some kind of girl, Blanche. Someone says it's almost midnight, so Blanche has to get out the goodies. Felix says if she's going to get the noisemaker, Felix asks Blanche if she's going to get noisemakers, and he wants Blanche to save him a rollout tweeter noisemaker. At this time, we see Oscar escort Trudy to the back of the apartment, which Felix observes. So Oscar now brings Trudy back to 
what is obviously Oscar and Blanche's bedroom. Did you notice that it was pretty neat? Actually, they got some yeah. good. Oh, that was, so that was, weird. Yeah, but that was like, like smart of them to realize that the bedroom <laughs> Blanche not... would never live in. Yes. <laughs> and now the rest of the scene, Blanche can't see what's happening here. She's in the other room. So we're obviously she's now guessing about what's happening in the bedroom because she would have no way of knowing what's happening since she's in the living room. Um, so the, the guest coats are on the bed. I guess when everyone came in, that's where they put the, the coats. Uh, and Trudy is somewhat protesting, protesting being in the room along with Oscar. And Oscar says, why not? And Trudy says, you said you just wanted to see my forehand. Oscar takes her hand and kisses it and says, I do. It's beautiful, just like the rest of you. Then he pushes her on the bed, which is an uncomfortable scene to see in 2020. Yeah. Not that it was, I guess. And he's then, being, in this version, he's, Oscar's very much the aggressor in this encounter. Yes. Uh, but when he pushes her on the bed, he, she just bounces right back up. So it is kind of funny. <laughs> and Oscar says that's a bad bounce. Tennis just, joke? It's a tennis joke, but yeah, it's, it's <laughs> funny because it's bad like he wants her to stay in the bed. But oh, right. <laughs> bounces back up is uh, bad for him, but yes, yeah. it's a tennis joke. <laughs> uh, Blanche then starts to look for Oscar, and then we get uh, this scene uh, here. Where's my Oscar? You know what he hides every New Year's Eve? He hid last year. <laughs> Where'd you find him? In Cleveland. Uh, <laughs> doesn't she have a wonderful sense of humor? You're a Oscar, wonderful... Don't Oscar, Dodge, where no, are you? Pass those. Blanche. Blanche. You're just terrible. I think it's my serve, and the score is 15 love. <laughs> Why don't you tell her the real score? 45 and out of gas. <laughs> Could you? You don't understand there was nothing. Your kisses usually are. <laughs> Poor Blanche, I don't know what to say. Well, say goodbye. Let me talk to my wife. Talk? There's nothing to talk about. Wait, Blanche. Felix, at least you'll listen to me. Oscar, I'm the last to turn against you. But you've not only mortally wounded the loveliest, most trusting wife in the world, but look the way you've wrinkled those coats. <laughs> Coat freak! Felix, I didn't mean to cheat on Blanche. She's got to know that. It's too late for that now. Now I've got to find her before she does something drastic. Well, what do I do? When you see her... Get down on your knees and thank your maker for a wife like Blanche. Ah, <laughs> oh, Blanche, Blanche. Don't Pull yourself Felix, together. do you mind, please? Blanche, I'm sorry. What can I do to make it up to you? Look, I'm on my knees. I'm begging. Please forgive me. Please, Oscar, get up. Your trousers are getting the floor all dusty. Great party, Blanche. <laughs> thank you, dear. I'll do anything. I'll buy you that house. I'll even turn neat. I'm sorry, Oscar. It's too late for all that. My words exactly. Hey, everybody, it's midnight. Hey! Be good. 
blonde was nothing. I took her out after we broke up. Never let sleeping dogs lie, do you, Oscar? <laughs> Come on, Blanche. You got the story all wrong. Sure, we broke up for good that night, but it was your fault. My fault? You gonna sit there? You gonna tell me you don't really remember what happened? Tell me your version. I'd like to hear it told with a full mouth. <laughs> okay. It was a good party. The room was filled with good friends, good booze, and good spirits. But you, baby, you were impossible. You were like a deranged common Miranda. So I've, I've always remembered that good friends, good spirits, good booze, good spirits line. Whenever I think of somebody having a party for some reason, mm. so that always comes to my <laughs> mind. So now we're in Oscar's POV. Uh, and in a new scene, Blanche is dancing up a storm, singing La Cucaracha, dancing on the couch, falling into the arms of a bunch of men. And by the way, I don't know if you noticed this. It looks like to me there are more men in this scene oh. than there were in the huh. prior scene. That's interesting. Um, and in this scene, Oscar, his tuxedo is all done up. Right. In the first version, his tie is undone and hanging, yes. his collar's open. And now he's like very neatly, unlike Oscar, neatly dressed and coiffed. Yes. <laughs> Which, so they did a good job on that. Yeah. Uh, Oscar comes over to Blanche and she says, I just love your friends. Oscar says, honey, it's almost midnight. Don't you think we need to hand out the noisemaker? Blanche says, yes, sweetheart, you do that. Oscar says he doesn't know where they are. Blanche says, they are in the closet. The one with the pointy head is yours. And all the men laugh at, at Oscar when she says that. The doorbell rings. Oscar says they should answer together. Blanche says Oscar should get it. I have a few things to answer here, as she looks back at the men around her. Oscar says, try to have a good time, dear. And she goes back to singing La Cucaracha. Felix is at the door again. And Felix... And Oscar says, hi, Felix, how are you? And Felix again says, as you pointed out, my sinuses are killing me. I promise I won't ruin your party. And he honks. And then Trudy, who's now passed out on a chair, as opposed to just standing drunk, talking to a man in the first scene, uh, says, wakes up and says, is it midnight? And then she passes back out. Blanche is yelling in the background, this is the kind of party I love. Men, men. Felix <laughs> says, look at Blanche. Look at that dress she is not wearing. Oscar says it is quite an attention grabber and it is getting a lot of grabs too. And in this case, just like Oscar's dress is his out his same costume, but worn differently. Now the dress that Blanche was wearing is basically, oh, the, the, the skirt has a, um, <laughs> what do we call that fellow man? Uh, slit? slit? Yes, yeah, slit, right. A slit in the side of the skirt showing her leg. Uh, it's, it's much more revealing this time. And then Blanche stands on the couch and says, yes, and does a trust fall backwards into all the men. And for some reason, which is done just for the setup of the show, she yells, carry me to the kitchen. Which they <laughs> Oscar has a very embarrassed and sad look on his face, which the audience enjoys. And it is very funny, the way Jack Klugman kind of looks down like ashamed. But he's also, he's such a saint. He's just this mild, yeah, right. meek, gentle man now. <laughs> Felix grabs Oscar by the back of the neck and says, pretty rough, huh, kid? Oscar says, it's, it's no picnic. Felix gives Oscar a light punch in the arm and says, you poor guy, you deserve better. Oscar, Oscar sheepishly says, I try to be nice, but, and then looks down on the ground again with a sheepish look, uh, which again, the audience loves. Felix says, I'm the last man in the world to offer unsolicited advice, but maybe she is not for you. Oscar says, maybe you're right, Felix. After all, I'm only a guy 
I'm not God. <laughs> uh, Trudy gets up from the chair and shouts, shouts, Oscar Madison, my favorite sports writer. Felix says she's not for you either, Oscar. Oscar <laughs> introduces Felix to Trudy Wells. Felix bows. Trudy says, little Trudy's been waiting all night for you to pay her attention. Oscar says, you've been drinking a lot. You know what martinis do to you. So in this version, Oscar's version, he knows Trudy. Mm-hmm. He calls her right. by her name and she knows. Right. But in, in the restaurant, mm-hmm. after Blanche's scene, he says, what, that blonde? I dated her a few times. Now, I don't think he would call somebody he knows this well that blonde. Uh, I'm confused by that line too in the restaurant because he says he he starts saying like that blonde she was nothing and then I took her out a few times after we divorced so uh, everything seems confused about his memory of her. Yes, Trudy says they get me drunk. That's why I drink them. Referring to the martinis because so- now Trudy is being played as just a complete slutty drunk girl. Yes, <laughs> which Oscar does not want to take advantage of. And right, Felix right. Says- it's all she's coming on to him. Yeah. Felix says, better give me that glass. Trudy says, no. Felix says, pretty please. Trudy says, no, no, no. Oscar encourages her to give the glass to Felix. Trudy says, this one's for you, Oscar, and finishes what is left in the glass and then says, I don't feel so good, and passes out in Oscar's arms, still holding the glass. Oscar says, what do I do now? Felix asks if if he should get her a coaster. Oscar says he will take her to the bedroom so that she can take a nap. Felix says, good idea. He will turn down the bed. Oscar says, no, he doesn't want to mess up the party. Felix should get Blanche and hand out the noisemakers. Now, it would have been smart for Oscar to have Felix back there. Again, maybe in 1972, men didn't think this way. So that if Blanche ever suspected something, Mm. Felix would say he was very innocent. Felix says, you're some kind of guy, Oscar. Blanche is lucky to have a husband like you. Oscar says, thank you. Oscar then drags Trudy to the bedroom and all the men in the party are now saying <laughs> party to him, but they're in the kitchen and Oscar's looking at somebody and says, she truly is saying thank you while dragging Trudy to the bedroom. It's a funny scene, but it's weird. And Felix says, you're a beautiful guy, Oscar. So now Blanche comes out of the kitchen and uh, she's at the head of, I guess you call that a dance train. Is that what that is? When everyone's got conga their- line. Conga line. Conga line. Felix is embarrassed by this, uh, that Blanche is asking this way, but realizes, but quickly realizes she's heading to the bedroom where Oscar is and that she might get the wrong impression. And that's when we get this clip. Dusty dance. <laughs> <laughs> no, please, please. Oh, no, 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 Felix. Oh, Oscar, she's doing you a terrible injustice. I know. We've got to go straighten her out. Right. But first, let me straighten out these coats. (laughs) Uh 
Oscar, Oscar, Oscar. Did you ever see such an unreasonably jealous woman? And for no reason. I've got to find her and set it straight. Oscar, you're a saint. Blanche! Oscar! Excuse me, folks. It wasn't my fault, Oscar. I just came here for a piece of ice. She's not for you. Oh, Oscar, I'm so ashamed. Because you got caught, you tell it to the gold farms. Our lawyers? Uh, you take a gold farm, I'll take a gold farm, and I'll meet you in court. I don't want a gold farm, Oscar. I want you to forgive me, please. I beg you. The good Lord and Felix, they know I've tried to. While you're down there on your knees, thank your maker for a husband like Oscar. Hey, everybody, it's midnight! No. No, though a terrible, terrible thing has happened, I want all of you, my friends, to continue to have a good time. I want everybody to have a good time. Everybody. But me. <laughs> Oscar, the only football player I ever touched was a ram fullback who ran out of bounds and stepped on me with his plates. A likely story you're gonna tell me. You, everybody. Hi, you two. How's it going? <laughs> that well, huh? <laughs> So in that scene, um, Oscar caught Blanche hugging or kissing a party guest, sorry, hugging later, kissing a party guest who's credited with the name Billy Jack, according to IMDb, which of course is a famous movie at the time. Um, and he was played by Arch Johnson, who was a theater actor in the original cast of West Side Story. I thought you'd appreciate that. I'm not familiar with his name. It It is a big cast show so a lot of actors in it and he was not one of the famous ones from the original no, but but he okay. was the only actor to appear in the original version and a 1980s revival oh he also he did, must have played a much older character he also did a lot of live tv a lot of western tv and b movies in the 50s and 60s and then in the 70s he did a lot of police shows and died in 1997 at the age of 75 so after he's a big guy we should say he's a yeah. big guy. He's a football. I mean, they referred him as a football player, and right. he has that appearance. Yeah. Uh, so after the commercial, Oscar asks um, Felix, who shows back up at the restaurant, uh, if he remembers the events of New Year's Eve when, quote, I blew the whistle on Blanche, uh, which is an odd question to ask Felix because he brought them to celebrate their divorce, which obviously mm -hmm. was driven by this night. So I don't know why he would ask Felix that way, if he remembers the events. And Felix says, do I remember? That is the most vivid night in my memory, even if I was doomed to failure. And Blanche asks, what failure? Felix says, keeping you two from making such a terrible mistake. He says he remembers how he felt that night, how up he was. It was New Year's Eve, and I felt like a million dollars. Blanche and Oscar look at him incredulously, 
and fold their arms in unison, waiting for him to tell his story. Felix says he arrived late because I had been to two or three parties before, but I had to be with you two before midnight. And then we get this clip with Felix's, part one of Felix's version of New Year's Eve. Why would a dull party? Is Felix coming? Yeah, he'll be here soon. Yeah, where's Felix? That's what this party needs. All right. She nips, she's got a nap, and she's nipped, I'm telling you. <laughs> so nappy nap! Oscar! What? Willpower. Oh, Who's she's... willpower? <laughs> Felix, where did Oscar disappear to? I couldn't say. I need him to help me hand out the goodies, darling. He's already getting the goodies. I think I'm going to No, no. He doesn't need any help with the goodies. That would turn out baddies. I... Felix, what are you talking about? Blanche, don't go back there. Blanche, if you go back, go back with an open mind. I don't think... She's in Oscar! You're going to see the Sandman. Oscar! Oh, are you the Sandman? No, I'm the Sandman's wife. And I'm going to sprinkle a little poison in your eyes, dear. Oh, my goodness. I bet you think there's something wrong. I'll take that bet. Wow, she's really so... How did she know I was in here? I... It couldn't be anything I said. What did you say? I told her not to come back here, Oscar. I said if she did go in, to go in with an open mind, I yelled, cheese at Oscar. You yelled, cheese at Oscar? Thanks a lot. Now I know how much trouble I'm in. Why is it every time you want to help me, you end up hurting me? You're like a vicious St. Bernard. <laughs> See what happens when you try to help people? This is my favorite scene of the show. Felix's version of himself being the life of the party that he imagines everyone sitting at the party beforehand doing nothing, bored, because he isn't there. There's something about that view of himself that delights me. When I watch this episode, the first two Rashomon scenes are fine, but I'm always waiting for that third one because that's the one that delights me. 
I also love the way Joan Van Ark says, who's willpower? I think that's very funny. Also, by the way, I did, this was not my observation. I found this on IMDb, but Felix references Monday Night Football, which started in 1970. Mm. So since this has to take place before 1970, right. that that is a uh, anachronistic reference. It cannot be. That's a good catch uh, there by uh, the IMDb reader. Um, yeah, you know, that is interesting because it raises the whole question of what, you, what near is being rung in. Right. Um, and I take my hint that um, one clue I find is that in that first version where Blanche catches Oscar, she says more like 45 and out of gas. Yeah. That she's I, saying, right. yeah. Not, yeah. Uh, not, so that means Oscar's 45 as opposed to 50-ish, which he is at the beginning of the series. At least Klugman was 50-ish. And so it kind of makes sense that it's five years earlier. Right. It has to be somewhere between like 65 and 69. Right. Um, also, you catch that really funky party music. Yes, yes. Yeah. I think only in version two. Yeah. So that's the little 70s creeping in. And just another great topical reference i love the topical humor felix does about the humidified the talk, yeah yeah air the pollution talk, joke yeah, yeah. uh <laughs> so after that clip uh, blanche is now being consoled by that football player she was kissing before in uh the kitchen and felix sees this because the those venetian bl not venetian blinds those what do you call those uh doors on the kitchen those shutters shutters uh, are open and only somehow Felix notices it, but she, he closes the shutter so Oscar can't see she's being consoled. And Oscar's talking to some guests about how college athletes play differently today. And Felix is not sure what to do, but he decides to be debonair. Do you notice the way he kind of like puts his hand in his pocket? <laughs> yes. Um, and goes over to Oscar and says, hey, did you see Blanche? Oscar says, yes, she's in the kitchen. And Felix says, you saw her in the kitchen? Oscar says, yeah, she wouldn't accept my apology, but I'll straighten out later. And he goes back to talking to these guests about a kid athlete named Ronnie Hawk. And I tried to look up, was there a real honey, Ronnie Hawk college athlete in the 70s? And I could not find one. Um, and then Felix steps in and now kind of forces those guests she's talking to to walk away. Uh, and Felix asks again if, Felix, if Oscar saw Blanche in the kitchen. And Oscar says, yeah. And then Felix says, doesn't that bother you? Oscar says, why should it bother me? That she's fixing a noisemaker? And Felix says, that's what you call him, huh? Oscar says, call who? Felix shrugs and says, the vicious St. Bernard says no more. And Oscar says, he better take a look. Felix then says, don't go in there. Oscar says, why not? Felix says, if you go in there, go in with an open mind and stand in front of the door. Oscar says, get out, out of my way, but actually just pushes Felix into the door, which opens the door and leads to this next clip. Get out of my Jeez it, Blanche! Blanche! How could you? What are you talking about? You, out of the huddle! And you, you want to be ashamed of yourself! Oh, sure, the best form of defense is attack! Well, I don't have anything to defend. I know nothing happened in the bedroom. I saw what was happening people, here. People, it's a terrible misunderstanding. You're both such wonderful sure, people. Sure, he plays a great game of tennis on a mattress. Who goes talking the sensuous woman of the kitchen? I never did trust you. You had those beady little eyes. That's not beady. That's a wince that's been there since the day we were married. You don't have to 
sister marrying me. Keep it. Keep it. Shut up. Why don't you get out of here? Mind your own business. Instead of yelling at me. The two of you should be down on your knees thanking your maker for a friend like me. Hey, everybody, it's midnight. Happy New Year! Happy New Year! Happy New I tried to talk to them, but I'm afraid it's, it's no use. The party's over. Believe me, I did everything in my power to hold those two people together. Now I... Just go home. It's just <laughs> poor. Oh, really? What are you staring at me like that for? The way I described it, that's the way it happened. The gospel according to St. Felix. <laughs> that's very funny, but if you two had listened to me that night, you'd never have got a divorce. Felix, we never belong together. No, 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 no. Wrong. You do belong together. You love each other. And leave it to me, I'm going to get the two of you back together again. Now, we'll eat. The meal is on me. So's the wine. <laughs> so in that final scene, Felix is reading a menu with the tip, with the upper part of it resting on the table and the lower part resting on his lap. And Oscar pours the wine down the menu so that it gets into Felix's lap, which is kind of a funny way of spilling wine on somebody. Like it's kind of a Rube Goldberg type of wine. Um, I don't think that's the name of the, uh, of the vintage, but yes. Ah, good one. Um, and that's the end of the episode. Um, I really like this episode. I, I, I'm a sucker for Rashomon stories. I just find um, how people's perception of different events as a tool, even though it is used a lot, as you said earlier. I do like it. And again, because of the All in the Family um, episode, I find, I find it a, a good tool when used right. And, um, and again, the, the way Felix views himself and the way everyone gets so excited when he comes to the party. And there's something <laughs> about that that really I find very entertaining. Uh, so I give this four out of five Murrays because uh, it's one of those episodes that people don't really remember that, oh, you know, when we talk about Great Odd Couple episodes, it doesn't come up a lot. But um, I do think it's, uh, it's one of those ones that goes a little unfairly under the radar. Uh, well, Ted, I, I love it even more than you do. Oh, wow. I give it a five. That's your second five in a row. I know. Now I'm getting too generous. I was too stingy before. You know? But this, uh, no, I mean, well, this was a weird one because I'm, first I have an aversion to the flashback episodes. So, uh, so I go in with low expectations of any of those. Uh, and all, I must say, this is also not a huge belly laugh episode in terms of big gags for me at least, but it's just so well done. It is just so well executed and it's so high concept. It's really am so ambitious for a sitcom episode. I, you know, I, I looked at the timings, each, ver each scene where they do each version, each person's story is like five or six minutes only, right? We have 22 minutes or so in the show. So each replay of the New Year's Eve party is only five or six minutes. And it's each one of those is like a little play 
and I give this the writer Rick Middleman so much credit for packing so much into those little five minute scenes. Uh, and it just pays off so much with the repeated line, the running gags. Um, and I love how narcissistic they make, make each, all three of them look in their version of the story. Um, and it also, of course, gives the actors a great chance to play different variations of themselves. And let's not forget, you have Brett Summers, uh, really great in this episode, and, and uh, just a Blanche, such an interesting, aggressive, <laughs> caustic character. Uh, also something I would notice, I remember from before, but really thinking a lot about how just sociologically interesting, right, that Brett Summers is going gray, and ABC allows her to go gray, uh, natural hair, you know, and not trying to dye it, not covering that up. She's, she's an interesting figure on television, a 50-year-old woman who's not, you know, uh, covering up her gray. So uh, just one little side note there. The only weakness, and I, it's not enough to, dem I'm still going to stick to the five, but I will say I think the Italian restaurant scenes are kind of lame. I don't think they're as well done as they could be, and they, they, but they're purely functional just as a, a frame to get us into the flashbacks. But I, uh, I don't know. I mean, the whole premise of Felix setting them up that way is a, is a little forced, but I'll forgive them. I agree with you. It, it is. It is. That's, that's, those are all fair points. Well, why did you only give it a four? I think what you said, there's no great belly laughs. The fact that there's no Murray, there's no Myrna, mm -hmm. like there's not a lot of great Oscar Felix moments. There's not even a lot, a lot about Oscar Felix. I mean, I, I enjoy watching Oscar and Blanche enough, but I find a little of them goes a long way. Mm, yeah. And uh, I just, a whole half hour of them, it's hard for me to give it a five because Oscar and Felix don't really interact in the show. Yeah. You know what? Well, well, I guess, yeah, my admiration for it is almost like outside of odd couple terms. Right? It's not a great episode about their relationship as, as Felix and Oscar. It's almost like a standalone. It's a one-off, you know, uh, that it works on its own, even without any context from the odd couple. So, which is a, a somewhat of a detriment for fans of the series, but I just think as an example of just uh, tour de force execution of plot is uh, just really great. Well, I mean, four out of five is no, that's, that's pretty good praise. So I'm with Four you. Murrays is a lot of Murrays. It's not like I'm dinging it, but it's hard. No, 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 it's no. Hard it's, I'm just curious what you thought the flaw was. Yeah, that's my, that's my, I don't know if it's a flaw. It's just by the nature of the design of this episode, I don't know that I could ever give it, would ever have given it five Murrays just because it doesn't have what makes a five for me. Why I watch the show is just to watch the, them interact with each other or with one of the great uh, side characters. Yeah, there's all, all these supporting characters that we'll, we've never seen before, we'll never see again, because it's right. five years ago. Yeah, <laughs> right. They're not in their lives anymore, these people. So that wraps up our coverage of this episode. Uh, please uh, email us if you have comments or questions, and if you know where Nino's Neapolitan Italian restaurant was in that shot at 1049pod at gmail.com. And of course, we encourage uh, fans to leave us five-star reviews and ratings on uh, iTunes. Uh, somehow, I think that helps or just boosts our ego, something like that. And uh, that's it. So cheese it, Garrett. You should be on your knees thanking your maker, Ted, for a podcast co-host like me. Good night, everybody.